0: So, hey, question for you. How are you doing? Great? Doing good? Right? Yeah? Doing okay? So what do you do when somebody asks you that, right? And obviously it depends on the setting, right? But when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? In a brief nanosecond in your head, you are deciding, do I tell them the truth? Or do I give the, you know, just, yeah, I'm fine, right? I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah? We've all said it, right? Every single one of us, I am, you know, I say it all the time every Sunday. Hey, Pastor Matthew, how, how are you? And, and you know, oh, I'm good. And, and, and yes, you know, there are times that I'm doing good, I'm doing well. But, man, there are times that I really say, do you really want to know? Because we could sit down right now and spend a couple hours, and I'll tell you everything, I'll tell you all how I'm feeling. I'll tell you what happened this week. And you know it, it got me to thinking, I want to be the kind of church where, and I realize that we don't always have the time to do this, but that we would be the kind of church where we could be real with each other. When you guys walk in the door, you don't have to put on any false, I'm fine, I'm doing okay, when, when you're really not. And I, I wanted to do something that I've never, ever done before, and we are going to spend the summer in the psalms right the psalms yeah all right thank you i got a little justice I's all excited for it but we're going to spend the summer in the psalms and and the psalms is exactly that it's kind of like saying hey how you doing and instead of giving you just a, the christianese oh i'm fine oh praise god oh i'm blessed too blessed to be stressed you know what i mean i by the way that really kind of it's like nails on a chalkboard when someone tells me they're too blessed to be stressed because then I feel like that I'm not blessed because I'm stressed out <laughs> then I must be like a heathen uh, because I'm freaking out this week man how are you t- you know anyways I digress how you doing but the point is is that the psalms are real they're raw they are from the heart they are dialogue, uh, you know, songs written to God, poetry, you know what I mean? These are, these, you know, the, the, the people that wrote the Psalms, if they weren't giving you the, you know, rose petaled, sweet perfume Christianity. When they were entering in, you know, to have a conversation with God, they were having these real conversations. David wrote uh, 73 of the Psalms. Out of the Psalms, David uh, is is supposed to have authored 73 of them. And man, you know, when you really listen to David, a lot of the times he's wrestling. He's crying out. In fact, there's times he's even freaking out a little bit. Lord, my enemies are all around me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know. You know, he's kind of freaking out. And you would say, well, that's not how a Christian should be. Christians are supposed to have it together. They're not supposed to be freaking out. They're not supposed to use words like anxiety and things like that. David had anxiety. And he was David, a, a man after God's own heart, a man that God had intimate relationship with. You know what I realized after kind of exploring in this idea of the Psalms is, you, do you want true intimacy with God? Because I do. And you know what, I I thought true intimacy meant just spending more time with him, but I've come to realize it's not just spending more time with him, it's being more real in his presence. And we're going to kind of get into that. And so we are going to start, guess where? Psalm 1. We're going to start right, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was a hard decision to make. But we're going to start right in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is actually one of my uh, favorite psalms. It's actually one of my life verses. Uh, It's a psalm that I became very familiar with as kind of a teenager uh, and in my young adulthood. It's one that I've memorized, and it's one of those ones that comes to my memory when I need it, and I kind of draw upon it. But Psalm 1, we are going to look at Psalm 1. So my question for you before we read the psalm is, who do you listen to? Who is your counsel when, when things are uh, confusing, when you come to the crossroads, uh, when you need you know, help and, and and when you're wanting to know what is the difference between a truth and a lie? Who do you go to? Who do you run to? Who are you listening to? Because that's kind of what Psalm one is all about. It's about this choice. You have a choice to make. You have two roads. Are you going to go down this road or are you going to go down that road? So I have this story that I want to share with you, and it's actually my uncle Robbie's story. If you guys, uh, some of you have met my uncle, we've even had him here to speak. Um, it's also uh, my cousin uh, Gary's uncle, and uh, and his name is Pastor Robbie Booth. And so he's a, a licensed uh, therapist. He uh, was also a full time pastor, and. He's always kind of acted in these, in these two roles. He's, he is a licensed counselor, so he counsels with people, uh, but he was also a pastor, so he's got a pastor's heart, and man, boy, you mix those two together, and you just have this amazing, compassionate, you know, very, very spirit-filled person. So my uncle tells me, he was on a plane one time, they were going to, him and uh, my Aunt Benita were going to a conference, and they both, uh, the only two seats left were both aisle seats, but so they got to be in the same row, but they were in different sides of the plane. And so my uncle was on an aisle seat and my aunt was on the other aisle seat. So my uncle was sitting next to two other ladies. And how many of you have ever been on a plane? And when you sit that close to people, you're going to hear all of their conversations, too. Right. You can't ignore it. So my uncle's doing his best. And these two uh, ladies who were sitting next to each other were obviously friends. And one of the ladies was telling the other lady about her husband. Her husband was awful. Oh, my husband this and my husband that, and, and I'm so mad at my husband for this, and my I'm mad at my husband for that. And she just went on and on and on. And of course, my uncle, who's trying his best not to listen, is listening. So he's trying to do his best. And he's, you know, looking over my aunt, trying to have a conversation with her, and probably looking at a book and things like that. But they are just, and it's getting deeper and heavier and more intense. And so the other, the friend, pipes in. And he's kind of waiting to see what's the friend going to say. Well, the friend starts saying, oh, yeah, that husband of yours, he is a, mm -hmm, yeah, and you know what you need to do? You need to divorce him. So he listens to the advice that this friend is giving to her friend. You need to divorce this guy. You need to drop him. You need to blah, blah, blah. You need to da, 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 going down the list. And my uncle finally had it. He's like, I gotta say something. I, I I'm hearing what's going on, and if you guys have met my uncle, you will know that this guy can disarm anyone. He is he he's able. I have never ever been rebuked by someone in such a loving way where I almost didn't realize I was being rebuked. <laughs> and he does that. He's he's so loving, and he's so engaging, and he's so. And so here's a guy who's about to confront this issue, but he does it in the most eloquent way. And so he turns over to this and he says, hey, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping, but I was listening to your conversation. And so they're, oh, you know what I mean? And, and you know, I could just imagine the shock, but really, are you shocked? You're, this person is in your space, right? So he turns to them and he says, "I, I, I you know, if, if I may, I am a family counselor. Uh, I talk to many people about things like this. I'm a pastor. Um, And anyways, he he looks right at the woman and he says, listen, I know this is is probably your best friend, but I want you to know something. That is terrible advice. And he just so lovingly says, you need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for any, and of course, uh, you know, in." Probably the most eloquent way that a, you know, pastor and family, you know, counselor could say, he, he gives, lays out the things that she could do to strengthen her marriage. And by the end of that, he actually ended up praying with both of them. And by the end of that, that woman said at, you know, as the plane was kind of, you know, getting ready to land and things like that, she told my uncle, she said, I'm going to go home and fight for my marriage. I'm going to go home and fight for that marriage. So... What's the point of this? We all have choices to make. The choice is who are you listening to? What voice is in your head? And what voice are you listening to? So we're going to look at Psalm 1. And I'm actually going to read, and I know this may uh, throw some of you off because I've even heard some of you say I even went out and bought a New Living Translation Bible because, Pastor Matthew, you're always reading out of the New Living Translation. Well, I'm going to change it up on you. We're actually going to go in the New King James Version, but I do have it up here. <laughs> There's a reason why. There's a reason why. The, the, the Living Translation is great, and I do love to read it, but when I went and read it in the New King James Version, it just said it uh, just perfectly. So I'm gonna read it, <clears throat> you can either, I, ha, I do have it up on the screen to follow along, but Psalms one says this, and by the way, the author is actually anonymous. They, they do not know specifically who authored Psalm one. Kind of would thought, think it would be David, because you go on and David's got all these other Psalms right after it, but they're not sure, so they don't really attribute it to anybody. But Psalm one says this, blessed is the man or woman, I'm adding that, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I want to stop right there, because we're going to, we're going to kind of look at the Psalms in, in chunks and in thoughts. So here's this first thought, right? Blessed is the man, right? Well, what blessed is what man? Well, the blessed is the man that does not do this, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't nor stand in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And, and, and But what does he do? If he doesn't do those things, his delight is in the law of the Lord and the law he meditates day and night. Does that sound familiar? Does that... Meditate on it day and night. Does that sound familiar? Because it should. Joshua 1.8. Let's go back, right? This would have been before, uh, you know, David's time and probably most likely well before this was written. So whoever was authoring this, you know, w- was, was drawing upon something that they had heard before. Joshua 1.8. God's saying this to Joshua. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Remember, I was talking to you, Jesus comes and Jesus says, you know, they're going to take communion together. And Jesus says, this is what we are about to do. I want you to do this all the time. I want you to do this continually. Why? so that you will not forget. I don't know about you, but I am a very forgetful person. I have to ask my wife three or four or 12 dozen times, what was it that you asked me to do again? And by the way, I've I've gotten um, better at how I ask her again because it happens a lot. I used to go in and go, hey, what did you want me to do? And she'd go, are you kidding me? I just told you. So I've walked in and now I go, I know you already told me. I know I'm the idiot who wasn't paying attention or listening or even took the time to remember. Would you please tell me again? I've, I've, I've actually found that that works way better than walking into the room going, Hey, what did you want me to do again? But I'm a forgetful person. We are, we are forgetful people. You know, we, we, we get into these routines of our life. We get into these, you know, uh, seasons of our life. And to be honest with you, We start forgetting essential things. We start forgetting important things. We start forgetting, most importantly, what God has to say about us. We start forgetting what God's promises are for us. We start forgetting, and we have to go, God, I know that you already told me this, but could you please remind me again? And of course he does, he lovingly reminds us. But there is a reason why the Bible instructs us, not once, not even twice, but multiple times, you know, obey everything that, you know, the Bible says to do. Meditate on it every single day, day and night. And it's not necessarily talking about a, well, you know, I get up in the morning and I read the word and then before I go to bed, I read the word again. That, he's talking about having it constantly in your heart. You know, it may be, you know, for those of you who are like, you know what, reading the Bible is, is, is tough. And to be honest with you, I start to get into it. My mind wanders and this and that. Let me share something that's helped me. What I do is I take very, very small bits Maybe even verses. Sometimes maybe it's a a, a a whole chunk or a whole thought, and sometimes it's even up to uh, you know even a whole chapter of something. And, but I will do what I will do is I will meditate on that. What that means is to continue to go back to it in your thoughts, to let it marinate on your mind. So for those of you who think, well, I just got to go and every day got to read you know more of the Bible, more of the Bible, more of the Bible, and check, 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 check. I would encourage you not to take that approach if you're not retaining anything. I would say slow down, and I would say take the approach that, you know what, I'm just going to take the Bible in these little chunks that I can just sit and let marinate on my mind, marinate in my heart, and take the whole week, in fact, take the whole month on something, you know? So, for example, you have an opportunity right now. We're going to... you know, for this week, we're going to be looking at Psalms 1. I would suggest that you go back to Psalm 1 every day this week until we come back next week and look at a different psalm. And let it just marinate. Let it just sit because what God will do is he will start revealing things to you, the truths about what his word says. And not only that is it will start to be a reminder. And by the way, it will last longer because the more you let it sit on your brain, the more it starts to imprint itself. And then when you need it, it will be there. Meditate day and night. By the way, this is a command of the Lord. This is not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion whether or not you should come to understand and know God's word and be in it and be meditating on it. Like, you know, like I said, be, let it permeate you and your heart. It's not a suggestion. It is a command of the Lord. It was a command that God had given to Joshua because he didn't want him to forget. He didn't want him to forget that the, the God of the universe was on his side. That the God of the universe was for him. That when he was in battle and when he saw the enemy coming against him and when maybe that fear would strike up in him, he would remember and he would not forget that God said, I am with you, Joshua. I am with you and I will never leave you. So there's three things in this opening kind of thought that that stands out. And it's the the walks, uh, the stands, and the sits. Right. And basically, the the author is kind of illustrating the different types of way we kind of go about listening or 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 engaging in in the lies of the world. The first one is walking, right? The walk, he says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And basically, the picture is this. This is the kind of picture he's he's painting. It's kind of like passing through, It's kind of like window shopping. Right. It's kind of like you're, you're just, you're doing the walk-by. You're kind of listening, you're kind of paying attention to what, what maybe is being said, but you're you're just you're, you're casual about it. You're just kind of, I'm just passing through. Yeah, just, just seeing what's going on. You know, have you ever done that? You ever walked by someone who's, who you, you definitely someone's having a serious conversation and you kind of walk a little slower just to see if you can kind of catch what may be going on? All right, gotta keep walking though. You know, my favorite is being at Disneyland. My favorite is kind of walking up close to a group and finding out what's going on, you know, and hearing that, you know, whatever and all that stuff. And then just kind of slowly walking, you know. But there's this whole idea of walking not in the counsel of the ungodly. This this kind of just leisurely, you know, listening to the lies. The second one is... The standing, okay? So you're walking suggests that you, maybe you're just passing through and, and that the hopes is that, well, maybe I won't stay there. But then there's this idea of standing in the path of sinners where you're like, you know what? No, I, I kind of want to stick around a little bit longer to hear what's being said, right? It, it's the idea of not just window shopping, but it's the idea, no, I'm actually going to go inside and see what they really got, see what the prices are. You know what I mean? Really start listening. Really start paying attention. And then there's this third idea of sitting, right, this third idea of sitting. It's more than just standing around. It's more than just kind of walking in the store. It is literally planting yourself and said, all right, I am ready to buy what this is. And those are kind of the different steps that we take when we start to go down that wrong path of listening to lies. Of it may start harmless and it may start when you just kind of pass through and, and you kind of pick it up. But eventually what you do is you stay a little bit longer and a little bit longer until eventually you take residence in the lies. Until you say, this is where I live now. I live in this. I am purchasing this. I am buying all this. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm taking. And God says, don't do that. Be careful. But he does tell us to delight In God's law, in God's word. So where should your counsel come from? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is the only truth. It's the only truth. Ask yourself. Ask yourself this question. Do the people around you cause you to draw closer to God? Or do the people around you make you indifferent to God? Or maybe do the people around you separate you from God. Ask yourself that question. Who are you surrounding yourself with who who not just are are, are friends or maybe acquaintances, but the people that you allow, that you listen to, that you allow to speak into your life? What are they doing? Are Are they encouraging you to get closer to God? Or are they completely, like, kind of cause you to be indifferent or even, if anything, walk away from God? Yeah, I don't trust that guy. I don't trust like guy, I should trust in myself more often. But now, let me also say this. God is not saying not to hang out with unbelievers. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, what did Jesus do? He hung out with sinners. He hung out with them. That's not what this scripture is saying. The scripture isn't saying don't associate with non-believers, it's saying be careful what you are buying into. Be careful when you are on social media and you see that news flash come up that you instantly don't read that little, you know, tag that they put on there that hooks you and go, oh, yeah, man, that really makes me mad. But then if you come to find out and you, and you really explore and you really go down that avenue or you really seek other, you know, you come to find out it's not even true. It's a lie. Most of the things out there are untruths or spun or covered up or hidden or, you know what I mean? And we really have to be careful who we are listening to. But as Christians, you guys, we still need, we still need to spend time with the unbelievers. Because this is what it should be. It shouldn't be that they are influencing you. Because that's that's initially what the, the church would say. Oh, don't go, you know, hang out with sinners, or don't go to clubs, or don't go do this, or don't go to bars, or don't. Because they were worried that those things would have influence on you. Really, it should be the opposite. I should be telling you, no, go to all those places because you should be influencing the world. You should be going with all the things that you believe in and all the truth that you have stored up in your heart and in your mind. And you should be bringing those things into those arenas, into those places. That's the true heart of God. Okay. So if not that, then what? If not walking in the counsel of the ungodly and all such, then what? Verse 3. We're going to move on. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The Bible says that you'll be able to tell a person by the fruits, right? You can tell a tree. You know what kind of tree this is because you can walk up to it and you can see the fruit that's on that tree, right? You all know what an orange tree looks like because you've seen an orange on it. You all would know if you saw an apple tree, why? Because there's probably an apple growing on it. You will say the same thing with people. You will know the character of somebody by the different fruits that they produce, by the kind of life that they are living. And this is also how the world will know about Jesus. Because if God is in me, if the spirit of the Lord dwells inside of me, then the Bible says there are fruits of that spirit that should come out, that should be noticeable. Matthew seven twenty. Jesus actually said this, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, so you can identify people by their actions. And I love that it says that everything this person does, that when this person who delights themselves in the law of the Lord, it says that everything they do shall prosper. It says and whatever he does shall prosper. Now let me explain what this, this is meaning by prosperity because what it's not saying, and, and, and Rod was very, very clear on this this morning, it's not saying that you're not gonna have trials and tribulations in this world. It's not saying that life is going to be easy. That is not what this scripture is saying. What this scripture is saying is that you will have God's approval. That when you are in line with him, when you are in obedience to his word and when you are doing what he has asked you to do, you are in approval of him. It also means the blessings that, flow, that you know, flow from that. It also means that God will, will walk you through the difficult times. It also means that in, you know, in those tough times that God is with you, it also means that you will have endurance for tough times. That's what it means to prosper. We think of prosperity as, as wealth and somebody sitting in a big mansion and that, that life is just grand. I look at prosperity as someone who's literally been in the pressure cooker, who's literally been through the refiner's fire but comes out on the other end purified. That's to me prosperity. That's to me what God's looking for. He's looking for people who can endure. He's looking for people who won't bail. He's looking for people who, who will plant their feet in his promises and in his truths and saying, you know what, the world cannot push me around. Verse four, the psalmist goes on to say, "But the ungodly are not so; but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous." If you don't know what chaff is. The Bible kind of uses that term a lot, and it, the idea is that when you're when they would uh, they call it threshing wheat. And it was the separation, separation of the wheat and the stuff that was surrounded the wheat was called chaff. And what they would do is they would they would use these kind of fork-looking things and throw it up in the air. And the chaff would blow away, but the, the, the wheat, you know, would fall to the ground because it was heavier. So there was a picture. And the picture was how many of you feel like, that you're just being blown around, that, you know, that the life just seems like this whirlwind, that you don't know you're right from your left or you're up from your down. And you know, he says basically that that is where the ungodly live constantly. The ungodly are just blown around like chaff. But he's saying, but if you are rooted and grounded in my word, it's not that the wind stops blowing. It's that when the wind blows on you, you are unmovable. You go from being the chaff to being the wheat that falls straight to the ground. God is always warning us. This is a warning. If you truly look at scripture and really, to be honest with you, if you really, really listen to sermons and things like that, when God, anytime God talked about blessings, there was always warnings. Anybody, anything taught God said, I'm going to do this. He also warned them, but don't do this. And it's kind of, it's frustrated me that I I feel like that our teaching has become a little bit candy-coated. That we focus all on the good points of life, but we start ignoring when God warns us. God is warning you. This is a warning. Root yourself Plant yourself like a tree in the Word of God, because if you do, you will be unmovable. The stream of God's, you know, cleansing water will continue to feed you and get you through any situation. You will have fruits that will come out of it that will be beneficial and a blessing to all who, you know, who know you. But there is a warning. The warning is, is that if you decide to choose the other road, you decide, no, you know what, I'm gonna just depend on me or I'm gonna just depend on whatever the world has to say, then you are gonna be like chaff and you are gonna be blown around, tossed to and fro. Verse six, which is the final verse, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You guys, every day we have a choice to make. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the voice of the Lord? The voice of the Lord, blessings, prosperity, security, right? Rooting yourself down into God's word. You become immovable. Or the voice of the world or the voice of the enemy. And by the way, the Bible says the enemy only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. I really believe that as Christians, what we wrestle with is intimacy with God. We we don't know what that means. And to be honest with you, for as long as I've even been a Christian, I'm gonna be really honest with you, I don't even know that I understand what that means. Intimacy with God. Because I would pursue God and pursue God and pursue God, but sometimes I would feel like, but God, I don't feel any closer to you. In fact, sometimes, God, I feel so far away from you. But then this kind of this light bulb came on. I truly believe, you guys, and I believe there's more to this, but but just kind of this first nugget of gold that maybe I can hopefully throw out there, true true intimacy with God is completely being honest with him. I heard a friend tell me, I'm angry at God. And can I tell you, I told that person, you know it's okay to be angry at God? You know it's okay to be mad at God? We think somehow as Christians that we're not allowed to think those thoughts, that we're not allowed to feel those feelings. But I, I tell you, I urge you that, you know what? We need to be that real and that open and that raw with God. God, I am mad at you. I am so frustrated, I'm broken, God, I feel like I cannot catch a break, I feel like that every time I try to even step out and to do something right, that life just comes and knocks me flat back on my back, God, why, why don't you come down and rescue me, why don't you come down and save me, I believe that those are okay words to say to God, because he can handle it, that is true intimacy with God. Yes, it should also be just like the Psalms. And this is what we're going to learn going through the Psalms. And you're going to see David would sometimes, he would start a Psalm and it would be, you could tell he was, he was speaking from his very soul. He was, he was speaking from emotion. He was speaking from his flesh. And he would say, God, I'm, I'm afraid. God, I'm fearful. God, I'm, I, I don't know. God, I'm doubtful. God, and he was just being real with the Lord. But then the psalm would turn and then he would remind himself who God was or who God is. He said, but God, but you are almighty God. But God, you are for me, not against me. I mean, God, you will fight my battles for me. He started to remind himself. You see, we need to be like David. We need to be open, real, raw with God, but then we need to remind ourselves with the truth of God who God is. That is intimacy with the Lord. And that is what I pray, not only for myself, but I also pray that for you. That this thing that we do called Christianity wouldn't just be a thing that we do on Sunday mornings where we meet and where we say, I'm fine. But when we come into real, true, honest, raw relationship, but then we would turn and that we would remind ourselves, but God, you are holy, you are just, and we worship him. You see, something David always did was he worshiped God. He worshiped God with his whole heart, even when he messed up. And by the way, David messed up. Read it. You think you're having a rough life? You think you've messed things up? Read David. And yet God still calls him, You know, God still says about David that he was a man after his own heart. So I have to say, you know what? Intimacy with God isn't about perfection. Intimacy with God is about being real. And I feel like the encouragement for you and by the way, I'm finishing, so just listen for just one quick second, because I feel like this is an encouragement from the Lord for you. Intimacy is not about being perfect in front of God. Okay, some of you are believing that. Some of you are saying, I need, to get, I need to be perfect. I need to get everything in line. I need to stop doing this over here. I need to do that over here. I need to blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you right now that God is not asking that of you. You are putting that on yourself. What God's wanting you to do is be real and open and raw with him. That's true. That's true. Intimacy with the Lord. Coming in front of him and God, I got nothing. I have nothing for you, but I'm still going to just come and fall on my face before you. And God says, that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for, to have intimacy with you. It's not perfection. Because you are made perfect through him. You see, perfection comes after throwing ourselves at his feet. I encourage you guys, meditate, meditate on this psalm this week. Take it slow. Don't set high standards for yourself that you can't keep. Take it in chunks and just simply spend time with the Lord. And tell him how you really feel. Imagine God is walking up to you and say, hey, how you doing? Well, God, you got time? Because we're going to be here for a while. You know what God says? I got plenty of time. I have all eternity. tell me, because that's what he's desiring from you. Amen. Will you guys pray with me? Can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we simply have a choice to make. Who are we listening to? What voice are we listening to? The voice of the world, the voice of our enemy, or are we listening to the voice of God? God, I believe that you are constantly speaking to us whether it's through your word, whether it's through your people, or sometimes, Father God, you just speak to us directly. But you are always speaking. May we always incline our ears to hear what you are saying to us. While everyone's on of heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to, I, I want to do something right now. I want you to do something maybe you've never done before. Maybe you have. But I'm going to give an opportunity for it right now. I want you to tell God in this private moment how you honestly feel. Do not give him the Christianese answer. Do not give him the goody, goody Christian talk. Give him the real, honest, and raw answer. God is asking you, how are you doing? And I want you to tell him honestly right now in your heart. He can handle it. He can endure it. You're not going to frighten him away. It's actually what he wants. He just wants honesty in your relationship. If you're mad, if you're frustrated, if you're hurting, if you're broken, if you're sick, if you're exhausted, tell him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Last question. You have never ever received Jesus Christ into your heart and you wanna live in that type of freedom and you wanna say, you know what? I wanna start listening to the voice of God. I haven't been doing it at all. In fact, I've even been ignoring it. But you would say, you know what, I'm gonna start, stop fighting that voice. And today, I am gonna say, you know what, Jesus Christ, I ask you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I'm gonna start listening to you. I'm gonna start trusting in you. If that is you, will you just simply raise your hand and, and let your eyes meet mine just so that I can, in this moment, thank you, love you, I love you. But if you would say, I received Jesus Christ into my heart, and I'm going to start listening to that voice today. The Bible says that all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. That's it. That is all. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.